Passenger mountain. No, is that me? <laughs> I'm coming to you from the driver's seat of a BMW, a uh, big old diesel wagon. Yeah, on I'm, the on the autobahn. And I'm Brad Frenzy coming to you from the passenger seat. There you go. Same car, same autobahn, same diesel. You called shotgun. Yeah, I did. Well, it's either that or the child seat in the back. Yeah, there you go. But probably not. So here we are driving uh, late one evening uh, towards. Fratello headquarters in The Hague. Netherlands. And um, for those of you who don't know the drive from Frankfurt to The Hague, it's uh, it's a frustrating one. You go through Cologne, uh, then you twist around and you hit the A3. <clears throat> and really the back 85 kilometers in Germany is pure bliss. Uh, and that's all before you you hit the Dutch border. So I think the last time we did this, uh, you were with me, and we we basically ran with a motorcycle and a Porsche Carrera Turbo with Dutch plates, and I think we did nearly 150 the whole back part. And um, yeah, it was actually the Porsche Turbo who slowed it down because I think he was just burning too much fuel. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, then we hit the border, um, as we're going to do here. And unfortunately, you go from 250 down to 100. So it's a it's a, a, a quick slap in the face. So we'll hopefully keep away from getting uh, speeding fines. And yeah, as an FYI, uh, we are in the car. So apologies for any of the wind noise that you do here. Right. And if you're wondering but this is the first time you're listening to Fratello and Air, why we're in the car, um, I have not, I'm not really a, a big podcast, car podcast guy. Uh, but and we are just now in the Netherlands. Um, so, but I've never heard anyone doing a podcast in the car while driving, which doesn't mean that these episodes don't exist. But the last time we talked about going to the Netherlands, and we had this idea, I guess both you and I, why not do an episode in the car, record an episode in the car? So that's what we're doing right now, and um, it's just, I guess, it's just fun, right? Why would I watch podcast? be recorded in the car because because why not um one just one one little public service announcement um sometimes we are doing these podcasts when we're on the go mike is traveling i'm traveling uh we are together whatever the case may be and sometimes the audio quality might not be studio you know crystal clear but um what i would like to say and this is this is comes from me. I'm not sure if Mike will co-sign it or not. What you guys, some of you comment and maybe not too positively about these uh, these uh, quality issues. We are doing this podcast while having a full time job, a family, and I often edit the episodes late in the evening. Mike does the article and we upload it. So um, apologies if it's not up to your liking or not up to the quality you expect from or or you you get from other podcasts. But uh, we do try our best, and sometimes uh, 
we maybe sacrifice the quality a bit for um yeah for us you know the sake of us getting together right it's maybe the microphone is not the best but but at least we're sitting together and we can talk about watches and we normally can't because mike is at home in frankfurt i'm in Karlsruhe, and we're recording this through um an online service so public service announcement over <laughs> all that being said we uh we we definitely appreciate you tuning in and we're always at work to make it uh, better and better. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that out of the way, Balash, yes. um, we had a few topics we wanted to hit today because uh, there are new watches. Well, but wait a second. Can yeah. we talk about why we're going to the Netherlands? Because it's it's important for us. I think we cannot talk about it, but we can maybe we hit can, something. Yeah. Well, all I can say is that we're on our way to film a video for a new collaboration watch that's going to come out in uh, next, let's say within the next month. Okay. And I think it'll be a pretty exciting one. It's one that we had some input uh, into and personally, I'm quite excited about it and I think it'll, I think it'll be a nice one. So, yeah, I agree. So that's the reason we're in the car. I was working today. Uh, took the afternoon off, drove up to Frankfurt, met Mike, parked my car, hopped in his car, and now we are, as he said, we are already in the Netherlands. Hopefully in an hour we'll reach The Hague, and tomorrow we'll do this trip again back to Germany. So uh, it's a fast trip. But yeah, sorry. Um, wrist check, controller. Yeah, so actually we're, we're going to blend the controller into our main topics here. And right. The first, uh, the first topic is a new watch, and it happens to be on my wrist. When we're recording this, it's actually prior to the watch coming out. Um, the watch is actually going to be released on Friday the 27th, so by the time you hear this, you will have uh, seen it. It is a Synchron Military Poseidon. Ooh. Yeah. And... <laughs> You know, it's matching the matching the the Dutch license plates. Yeah, actually, it is. You're right. So, it those for those of you who are fans of watches that Rick Murray has has done in the past, you know that when he was working with Doxa, there was a Doxa Poseidon edition, and then uh, after that, with his brand Aquadive, there was also a Poseidon edition. Uh, I believe it was a GMT diver, and now that he's got Synchron, uh, he has decided once again to link up with this uh, Sw- Swedish uh, dive gear brand that makes rebreathers, uh, buoyancy controls, regulators, and they're a supplier to you know recreational, commercial, and military divers. And the backstory on this one is pretty neat. So uh, apparently, uh, the Swedish Armed Forces approached uh, Poseidon. Uh, they they stated they really wanted a, a rugged, robust mechanical watch. <clears throat> and um, therefore, uh, Poseidon, knowing Rick well and having worked with him in the past, uh, apparently gave him a call and they decided to uh, put their put their minds at work on on creating a watch uh, for the Swedish uh, armed forces, the divers especially. And no, so so already you can you can draw some comparisons to something like the uh, 
like the Tudor uh, Pelagos FXD, but uh, there are some differences. Um, the main difference being this watch um, is being created for an event that's actually coming up in the next week up above the Arctic Circle in Sweden. And apparently it's an annual event called Cold Divex, where the uh, Swedish Armed Forces hosts um, other militaries, uh, brands, and others who come up to basically test equipment in subarctic conditions, so diving equipment. It's like a dive expo. Yeah, and and also, you know, I guess there's research, there's classes, there's a lot of getting together, but the bottom line is this watch, well, not exactly this watch, will be featured in some of these subarctic, or the, these dives. And, you know, in talking to um, Rick, um, he mentioned a couple things. Apparently, the watch that will be given to that Swedish military unit will be slightly different than the one that can be bought. Um, very few differences externally and internally, but overall looking very, very much the same. And the watch does follow from the Synchron military or the Docks Army, so it's got that kind of funky checkerboardy style dial, but the colors are slightly different. So instead of a white dial, it's got what I would call light gray, and then because Poseidon's colors are yellow, there's um, yellow around the handset, and of course you've got the logo where uh, the model from 2021 said military, and. I think the most notable thing is that the watch has plongeur hands, so very much like the Ploprof. So you've got that sort of like shapely dagger minutes hand and then a very small stick hand for the the hours. Uh, And then maybe one other thing to mention is that um, it has a different movement than the Synchron military. So... The Synchron military had what, Alash, either an Ida 2824 or a Salida, right? Ooh, I would say probably a Salida, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, so so you're kind of basic. Basic workhorse yeah. as much as this is an overused term, but workhorse of a movement, automatic date. Yeah, so what what they wanted to do with this watch was give it more power reserve, and they went to Le Joux Paray. And I didn't realize that they made a call it a clone or contemporary of the ETA 2824, but it has, I believe, 68 hours of power reserve and is adjusted to four positions. So it's close to three days. Yeah. So kind of a neat um, upgrade. And what I also noticed when, if you remember with this, the first Synchron, it was a constant comment when you wound the crown and you, you were winding the movement. And I think it was a little bit strange for people, not that that's completely unique amongst watches. Uh, this one does not uh, have that. So, you know, the, the crown's disconnected while you're screwing it in, which I think gives it a even classier feel. Um, what else to say about it? Oh, it has a count up instead of a countdown bezel. And the pricing on this piece, which will be a thousand units, uh, will be $990. So... I think really fair again, uh, really reasonable for what is a, a really cool watch. Uh, has the same case as the the last Synchron and basically as the old Doxa 300 sub. Um, yeah, d- different colorway, different hands that uh, I'm actually really liking. So uh, what do you think about it, Balash? You saw it today for the first time in person as well. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's 
yeah, it's a quite interesting watch because uh, it obviously, when you look at it, it looks like uh, it looks like the Synchron uh, military, um, at least the dial design, as you said. So it, it takes inspiration from that, but but with the colors, the different colors and the different hands, um, the different um, shape of the hands. Um, it's a nice touch with the logo, with the Poseidon logo on it. So. Um, if you're not, or if you're, I mean, in the last few years, I think, uh, with the Synchron and the Doxa, the Army and the Military, we have a lot of these watches, right? And we get the black ones and we got the steel ones. So if you're a bit tired of those watches, but you still like the design DNA, if you will, then that's the great, that's a great option for you. And I think the price is, is pretty good. Um, the, um, the connection is great if you're, if you, if you, if that's important to you, um, yeah, I think all in all, it's not a bad, not a bad release. Yeah, it was a surprise to me. You know, when he sent me the pictures, um, obviously the colors looked a little bit different, but I hardly didn't notice the handset difference um, until I received the watch, and then I was like, "Whoa, something's different here." And I kind of like the hands. Uh, this is a weird, it's a weird dial. I think whether you're talking about the Toxer or the Synchron, it's kind of a weird dial. Uh, but these hands somehow work with it, I think. Uh, maybe in some ways even more, more so than the, the ones on the, the original model, which to some, to some degree feel a bit incongruous to me. But yeah, I, I like the watch. I like the price. I think with a thousand pieces, uh, I mean, not to not to really predict, but I think it's going to give buyers the opportunity to see it, think about it, and place their order without this thing selling out over, you know, three hours like the last one. So I like the fact that they made enough to, to hopefully last for a while and, and give people that opportunity to, to ponder it and then maybe purchase it. Yeah. Would you get it? I think I would. I... I Look, I, I, I'm a pretty unabashed fan of what whatever Rick comes out with. I think he just does a neat job, and I think he offers a lot of watch for the money. Um, I know that sometimes the ordering process can be a bit challenging, and of course, the watches sometimes, the, the later serial numbers really take a while to, to come out, but that's just kind of the world we live in, it feels like. Um, he did inform me that Upon release, uh, the first 300 will be ready uh, roughly two weeks after. And then I think we'll be talking about some months after that for the rest. So, uh, but, but no, I think it's cool. Do you know if, um, well, maybe it's a, it's a silly question if there's anything else in the chamber, but I'm sure there will be. I'm just curious if, if now this new uh, look but this new design DNA is the way to go for Synchron, when, at least when it comes to the divers. Uh, yeah. But maybe that's, we can, I guess. I, I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. And, um, you know, Rick can be, um, some, it'll be a while since I, from, you know, not hearing from him. And then we, we chat quite a bit. So. Yeah, you and, know a lot. It's almost like you memorize the press release. <laughs> well, I wrote the article last night. So, <laughs> um, but the, um, uh, but no, I, I do make it a habit every couple odd months to just check in with him and see what's going on because more often than not, he's like, oh yeah, there is something cool I'm working on. So yeah, he's, he, mine's always at work and I don't know. We'll, we'll see, uh, you know, this dial would, 
we've seen Doxa do some different things with it, obviously. So it, it obviously can play with different colors, right? Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's, um, it's funny. I, I, I read some comments uh, about the, the Doxa army and people said, ah, for the, for the fourth of the price, I can get the, the synchron. It's not really true because what they commented on was the limited edition, yeah. which was the ceramic case. So, um, it's obviously not, uh, this is a steel model and, and the, the Doxa army is also a steel model, but I think, uh, and then, of course, there are comments about whether that dial actually existed or whether that actually was an army watch and a military watch or not. I, I'm really not sure. I don't, I don't want to get into that because I have really no clue. But from a watch fan or a watch enthusiast point of view, it's definitely interesting to see brands um, in a similar realm kind of coming out with watches that are um, that could be competitors. Some people say they're copies. As we talked about it the last time, every dive watch with the black bezel then is a Submariner copy. Um, yeah, but it's it's definitely a, a very interesting piece, and the price is great. Let's see what um, what I, you guys will say. Yeah, and I do think at least linking it to the Swedish military gives it a little bit of a story. So it, whether it was really ever uh, the, the Doxer was really ever connected to a military, I, like you say, is, is up for debate. Uh, I don't really care. But now at least a watch that sort of looks like it is somehow connected with a military, granted for more of a exhibition purpose, but still eh. kind of cool. Right. Yeah. So what what about you? That was a really long Hengelang's controller. Yeah, well, you... well, this is probably going to be the same because uh, I'm wearing my Grand Cycle, my old new Grand Cycle. SPGA and um, I'm 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 bringing two no well three well I'm wearing this one and I'm bringing two more watches so three altogether to the Netherlands and uh, one being the Grand Cycle because I I've really put it in the box for the last few days um, maybe maybe almost since I came back from you from Frankfurt like two weeks ago I think oh, was wow. it okay. yeah I I think I was I was rocking some other uh, speedies and and some other things. And uh, and now it's back on the wrist again. So uh, um, I think also the last time we met, you kind of looked at it, but we didn't really spend too much time uh, on the watch because uh, it was during dinner and then we recorded a podcast and then I had to go. So um, we maybe we will spend some more time on it. So I brought it. But um, I think, and you suggested that we should talk about another Grand Cycle. Yeah, but I'm connected to my Handgelenk, also my watch. But let's wait, because I have a couple questions. Yeah. Uh, so I, I remember when you told me you got it, you said that the bracelet uh, yeah. felt like it was like half a link off and you were kind of in between. But yeah. I've seen you wearing it twice now in a relatively short period of time. And both times you've had it on the bracelet. So what's, yeah. what's the latest? So there is no micro adjustment on the clasp uh, on these things. And so what I did, I don't even know how many braced, uh, like links to, I removed. I think now it's like a half link in the end. It was fine, but now I think that it's it's a bit too wobbly, yeah, too loose, too wobbly again. So maybe it's also the fact that, you know, I don't know if I'm just I'm just speculating here. That was warmer, and my wrist was a bit swollen, but now it's really really cold. It's below zero here. Um, I'm not sure. So it's. I'm really missing the micro adjustment. I have to say, I'm really missing it. But, but still, it feels 
uh, great on the bracelet, and I feel that this watch needs to be worn on the bracelet, not on a leather strap. I put it on a leather strap. I sent you the pictures, but also because of the because of the the relatively uh, thick or or tall uh, end links, it's a bit of a pain to put the bracelet back. So I don't yeah. want to. You know, remove it and exactly. And eventually, even if you use the 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 drilled um, lock holes, eventually you're gonna scratch the watch. Sure, and there's there's no there's no way around so it. Can I can I tell you something? Yeah. When you sent me the picture of the watch on strap, mm-hmm. I mean, you weren't around me, but my family was home and we got on the couch and I showed them the picture of the watch on strap and we all sat there and cried actually. Yeah. I know. I can. I can definitely. I can imagine. And I can see a family crying over my my WhatsApp picture. Uh, it's no. It's a nice. It's really a nice. Uh, a nice looking watch on the strap. But it was like a, a dark blue leather strap. I, I think the picture was tough to tell the 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 contrast. And uh, I'm sure it's okay on strap. But I agree with you. I think it looks great on bracelet. Yeah. It's it's it's. I think it's a watch. As I said, that needs to be worn on a bracelet. But um, but I think from time to time, definitely not on a rubber and not on any of that you know funky business. Uh, I think this watch deserves to be on a leather strap or on a bracelet. Um, we'll see tomorrow. I'm, I'm not gonna wear this tomorrow, at least not for the video shoot. But afterwards, um, it's it's a super comfortable watch, and I think every Grand Cycle that I have seen and tried on and the last time we talked about this or not the last time last time we saw each other we tried on a few grand cycles they were both uh well two or three yeah they were they were all super super comfortable it's just something about new grand cycles on a bracelet that it just wraps around your wrist nicely oh yeah they sit really well don't they super yeah super super comfortable and uh, i'm very happy with the watch i'm very happy with the purchase still still uh you know, in the honeymoon phase with it, but but I try to um, digest it in smaller doses. As I said, I wear it for a few days, then I'm not. And I really can't wait the time of shirts and T-shirts when I don't need to put it under a jacket and... Really see it. Yeah, yeah and under a jacket, cough or a coat or whatever, but just be, you know, hop on a bike maybe, or maybe on the tram in the car, drive to the office wearing a T-shirt or a rolled up uh, sleeve shirt, because that's that's really my my favorite time of uh, of the year wearing watches, and not the summer because that's too hot. But also, I hate it to to hide it under a, a jacket coffin. So, honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, your watch was, in my view, a very a pretty approachable uh, Grand Seiko in terms of price, and, yeah. you, and you got a nice deal. Yes, courtesy of our, our friend in Japan. Yes, Eric. And when we went and visited Seiko in Frankfurt, we looked at a lot of different watches. We looked at, uh, I won't remember the model that we looked at that you commented on that was blue, but it had a bit of like royal blue in it. Yeah, it was more a yellow, I think a dash of yellow, wasn't it? Or Yeah, and, and, and then we looked at, what was it, the brown birch? Yeah, the black birch, black brown birch, birch, whatever they call it, yeah. And... Yeah, we we really liked all these different dial textures and everything. And lo and behold, this morning I wake up, which is not waking up is common, but what's common is to wake up to news of a new Grand Seiko. It seems yep. like they, uh, I think they're on number three already, and we're in what week three? Um, yeah. But they came out with a watch with a navy blue. Uh, 
not a birch dial. It's it's meant to evoke waves. But let's talk about this watch. And and if you had it to do over again, let's say money, no object. What do you think about this one? Um. Yeah. So what what we're talking about is the spring dive five days Lake Suva before dawn watch. That's really the name. <laughs> um, the five day spring dive watch inspired by Lake Suva, stirred by the breeze before dawn. That so that's the. It's the wavy, little wavy uh, surface, water surface of the lake before dawn. It's the SLGA021. So it's also spring drive, but as I said, it's a five-day spring drive, which I don't really care too much about, which if it's a normal spring drive or a five-day one, definitely it's, it, it adds um, value to the watch, right? But um, this is a bit different. This is more of the, the fancy version. You know, like my watch is the SBGA is like the 375 and the 439. The one is the, mine is the more simpler and the other one is the, the fancy version. This is that one. So it's the fancy version with like the, the three big links in the bracelet, but the middle links are, they also have these side. Um, kind of like a speed decker. decker. Yeah, yeah, almost. So this one has a date as well at the three and has no power reserve indicator. It just has Grand Psycho at the 12 and then Spring Drive five days at the bottom. If I have to choose between the two, I would probably go for this one because I like the pattern on the dial. I yeah. like the Lake Suwa before dawn pattern. The LSBD, <laughs> or or as they say, wait, the Lake Suwa stirred by the breeze, the LSSBTBBD <laughs> <laughs> pattern. Uh, it's a really a beautiful watch. Um, but what this, and we have only seen the press photos, what this one doesn't do, I think, and mine does, is when, when I first sent you the picture of mine, you said, is that a black or a blue dial? Yep. Because it's, it's this very deep blue, shiny blue that kind of uh, can also be interpreted as black in certain angles and certain shades. Whereas this one, I think, always looks blue, beautiful deep blue. And yep. the one you mentioned that we saw in the, in the boutique is was this really this royal blue, which I mostly associate with American major league league teams, or like like one of the major league, the like basketball teams or or baseball teams have used this royal blue kind of is like a Yankee blue. No, it's a Yankee is a big blue, it's almost like the Blue Jays, the a Blue Jays, blue and the yeah. Blue Jays. Yeah. There you go. So there's all three different shades of blue, and and this one is the new one. So the SLGA 021. I think it's it's a wonderful watch. And what's the price? I forget. It's nine five nine five. So not an inex- not inexpensive. Um, not at all. It's um well if you gi- I'll, I'll give you some some specs so it's ten bars hundred meters water resistant it's a nine R A two caliber spring drive obviously as I said ten seconds per month zero point five seconds plus minutes per day which is mind boggling the bandwidth is twenty two millimeters oh. the line is twenty so what's the what what do you say the diameter so the diameter is only forty it says forty and lock to lug is forty seven point nine. And the thickness is 11.8, so it's a relatively thin watch. Okay. And um, in the article, the Fratello article, there are some more pictures. So you can see that um, it has the um, you can uh, the the display case back, so you can see the the, the rotor spinning around. Um, it's an automatic, but it's a very very thin automatic. But it's uh, yeah, it's a. I think because the case shape is a tad different than mine, you can you can see that the lugs are towards the the sides of the case and quite short so i think that's why it's 22 versus mine uh the logs are a bit longer so they taper down to 20 
So they're really trying to make this watch look a little bit bigger than it is, I probably. guess. We, yeah, probably. With lug width. Uh, Definitely with the shorter, yeah, with the shorter but wider lugs. Yeah, I think... Um, Absolutely. What I like about that dial color is that it's it's certainly more in my wheelhouse, and I mm-hmm. think it's it's more of a traditional dial color. Sometimes the Seiko dials, like the pinks or the... They're, they're, they just feel like something that I would uh, get tired of at some point. And this, this yeah. to me, seems like a great watch. And it's almost, you know what's funny about Grand Seiko in some ways? If you think about all these different variants that they've come out with, and I don't know for this watch, for example, how many different ones there are. But uh, if you think about a date just and all the different colors and combinations there are. Yeah. It's kind of like what they're doing here, isn't it? In some ways, in terms of it's another just a, uh, just another color yeah. choice, right? So, I think we maybe pick on Grand Seiko a little bit about their release strategy and and okay, the names. Uh, you didn't pick on that at all with your LSSPQGP, <laughs> but though the uh, the the reality is they they just sort of stage these releases and it, and as we saw at the boutique. You got a lot to choose from now. Yeah, and, and and I mean I mean you know this better than anybody. When when you create a product, there's only so many things you can change, right? Without a very cost effective process of designing a new case or a new bracelet or whatever. Um I I really don't have a problem with that. I think uh actually I think that the cases that they release are cases that work for most people and maybe they love the case, they love the bracelet, but they don't like the dial color, as as you said. So maybe then that's another option. For me, dark blue is is always a a, a dial to go. It's it's like it's like having a, a pair of black and a pair of brown um, dress shoes in your in your wardrobe, right? This is like a type of shoe that you can wear with pretty much anything. Yep. Um, it's the same thing with with dark blue dials. I think dark blue is is super elegant. It's not black. It's not white. It's not cream. But it's elegant. It's it's almost a bit like salmon. For some strange reason, I have the feeling that salmon dials work. Salmon dial watches work with pretty much everything, and you would at least that's what I think. And you would not think that when you think of salmon because it's a very specific pink color, right? Pinkish color. But if you think of a salmon watch, like a chronograph or something, you can wear that with a with a with a suit. You can wear it with a t-shirt or a shirt. I think it comes down to with salmon. It comes down to the strap. Yeah. So, and that's the same thing with the blue one. I would not put my dark blue Grand Seiko on a green strap, for example. Yeah, that's true. Maybe not on a not even on a brown strap, but on a beige or on a black or on a blue strap. That could, could that could work. And then I could wear that watch with a suit. Um, I think nobody would say anything if if they saw me with a suit, uh, with a suit on, wearing my Grand Seiko, but also with with t-shirts uh, t-shirt and the shorts yeah fair enough i agree with you and so yeah dark blue that's uh... but, but then the pink ground cycle the, the baby blue ground cycle that's a bit of an edgy color i think yeah. that's that's yeah it definitely stands out when it, you're wearing like a dark suit and a pink pink watch yeah and, and i really like those watches i just again question would they have the staying power for me i don't know well, this one is definitely a, a beautiful piece, um, as far as I can see, but obviously there's no internet in the car, so I just downloaded the website. There's, there is nothing 
there's no other colors uh, listed here, just the um, the specifications and and a few pictures of the watch. But uh, I mean, there's a there's a detailed detailed photo in the in in the Fratello article of the dial, and you look at the dial, but you also look at the 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 indexes. Yeah, and fantastic. those those beveled indexes, yeah, they are absolutely amazing, and I'm pretty sure they're not done by a machine. Hey, as a little bit of a timeout here, yeah. can I tell you something? Yes. Yeah, sure. I hate driving in the Netherlands. Why? Because it's a hundred. Yeah, and there was one time. This was not too long after I moved to Europe. I uh, was at a hotel for some meetings, and I had to go over to our office twice that day. Mm-hmm. And I literally got a speeding ticket twice from the same camera. Oh, and I had that story as well. It's expensive. Uh, so I got, I got, I got, uh, I didn't notice the camera either time, obviously. And I get some nice mail from them. But no, what I really don't like about it here. So it's a three lane highway. We are on the A12. Mm-hmm. And the right lane, people are doing like, 95 in the middle lane people are doing over 100 and then you have this left lane that i can't i i I don't think it's a carpooling lane but that's obviously your fast lane but i i always feel like a foreigner here because i think that the locals know where they can speed uh and i don't so i'm kind of towing the line i'm doing like 103 versus 100 and i feel like i'm getting pushed but i know rj has told us there are some sections here where they measure your elapsed time between two points. Oh, yeah, and that's why they determine whether you were speeding or not. Exactly. So it's not like a camera, traditional camera. So anyhow, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to 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 send the uh, kingdom of the Netherlands. Is it a kingdom? It is still. It is it still? Yeah. Okay. I don't want to send the kingdom of the Netherlands any any of my money. So so here's a question: when the when you first I'm, 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 obviously you visited Europe extensively when you were when you were living in the U.S. Uh, yeah, no, no, but when you were growing up and whatever. But when you first moved to to Germany, right? That's the first. That was the first country. Yes. Yeah, and you got your first company car. Yes. Maybe on, I don't know. Maybe it was a rental on week first, whatever. Yep. And you went on the autobahn. Did you pedal to the metal? Oh yeah. Was it, was it really like? Um, you know, there's, there's this gig, there's, there's Conan O'Brien uh, thingy when he, you know, he comes to, he visits a country, I think every summer holiday, and he comes to Germany and then he takes like a, a driving instructor and drives on the autobahn because that's like a, a, a bucket list thing for, uh, for the, um, well, at least for the Americans, according to Conan. Yep. Um, yeah, maybe we can talk a bit about that because, because I think for many of the listeners, at least in the US and, and, and other countries around Europe who are not neighboring Germany, it's kind of really this really, and then you can you can just go as fast as, as, as you want and then there's no stops and so, yeah, the, the, well the first car I ever had here was a pool car for a few months until my my first car came in, my first uh, company car came in that I ordered and it was a C-class Mercedes wagon from like boy, I would bet it was from like 2008 so that's what they called the Opa wagon. Yeah, and and it had cloth seats. It was like kind of a stripper model. Like it didn't have much in it. Like the um, the navigation looked like dot matrix orange. Oh yeah, and it was a manual, which I dig. But I think it had like a the low spec two liter diesel, and they they say 
And and I agree with this in, in ways that it's fun to drive a slow car fast. This car was not fun to drive fast. You really had to plan ahead. Yeah. And uh it's a heavy car, huh? Heavy heavy body. Yeah, and it, it, it was so so then the first car I had, I think you remember it. I had that E five sport. Yeah, the white boy. Yeah, with a with a three liter diesel, and that was a fast car. Yeah. So I swore when I had that Mercedes that I would use my allowance and I would get a car that I did not get pushed from behind the whole time. And I remember the first day I got it, I went on the autobahn and it was so fast that I almost crashed it because somebody got in front of me and the brakes were responsive. Yeah, they were really strong, and it it was took some getting used to but no i i generally hammer it pretty well but i think the autobahn unfortunately you know where we are in and the a5 does have some really good stretches and there are good stretches in germany like out i forget the one out towards kaiserslautern cool i don't know either but, but yeah there, there are some great stretches out there where yeah. you can really let it hang but the the reality is that germany being in the middle of europe there's so much traffic yeah that i would actually say that France with a speed limit of 130. Yeah. You probably average a higher speed than you do in Germany. Well, that's why that's why my beloved stepfather G2 when he drives to Switzerland, he often drives um through France instead of Germany because even if he needs to pay for uh, the sticker ticker ticket or whatever the toll, yeah. yeah, the toll, it's still cheap, it's still faster to drive in France than to drive in Germany because there's always an issue on the A6 around you, an A5 around Karlsruhe, and then then down. But to be honest, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. What I want to say about the fa- can't remember. Well, what I what I would tell you is that the other thing that people don't realize, because I think people have this view of the autobahn, is that outside of the major cities, it's two lanes on each side. So yeah. essentially, you've got trucks and people doing really really low speed on the right yeah and then on the left people flying and it just it, it's just a a mix of people getting over to pass somebody doing 80 yeah. kilometers per hour at and they, and they go 82 when they're passing them so yeah. it slows everything up behind you yeah it, it's not fun and 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 there's always someone faster than you oh yeah the german autobahn you can have i mean yeah maybe if you're not if you're driving the koenigsegg not really but yeah, um, you know, if you're driving like a like a souped up BMW or or an Alpine um, package or an AMG, whatever, there's always someone faster or who wants to go faster, and they always get the flashes and the the honks and the whatnot. I remember what I wanted to say. Um, when I drive to Hungary, it's uh, it's about a thousand two hundred and plus kilometers. It's okay. quite a long drive, at least for for Europeans, right? And it's about eleven to twelve hours. Because you drive through technically three countries. I go to Germany, then Austria, and then Hungary. Um, And then the fastest drive that I have ever had was on either the 24th or the the 25th of December, so Christmas Day, or or, um, no trucks, zero people, no people. I was doing 135, 140 on an average with a tempo mod on, and I was home in nine and a half hours. That's good. It's insane. It was like, like nothing on the on the on the road. Absolutely nothing. But um, but yeah. And the the problem with the autobahn, I think, is when there's a speed limit. Boy, you better keep that speed limit. Otherwise, it's going to be a very very expensive trip. Yeah, you know, and that's the other thing for 
especially our American listeners, there's no sport in it over here. It's all cameras, so there's no cheating the camera. Yeah. Um, the only thing you can hope is that uh, there's a car next to you that sort of blocks it out. But in uh, motorcycles, they can't camera motorcycles because they don't have a, a, a front license plate. plate. Yeah. But you really don't see motorcycles on the Autobahn because it's dangerous. And frankly, you do see some exotic cars, uh, especially around Frankfurt. But it's not what you would think where everybody with a Porsche, either just a normal Carrera or a 911 Turbo is out there just, you know, banging away um, at maximum speed. Because the other thing is it's. It is fun, the acceleration, but when everybody else is going fast, it's not as special as when you're kind of an outlaw in America. And people here go to the what are called the B roads, uh, which are twistier and, yeah. you know, a little more technically challenging. That's where they take the bikes and the, the nice cars and they're not as crowded. So, yeah. And I think usually the nice cars are like mostly like, you know, like... um vintage like veterans and stuff right so yeah they 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 can drive 80 90 i mean you you rarely see an old porsche or whatever on the autobahn unless he needs to get from a to b exactly you you see them on these little uh, narrow kind of uh hilly road especially around where we live and mostly where i live because i'm i'm in the brink of the black forest right so yeah it's a great place to drive it is for sure and then and then when when the you can see when the first nice week or weeks of of let's say you know, March usually yep. hits and you drive to any of a city, any of the cities in, in the Black Forest that's, that starts with the, with the word bad. Yep. Uh, you always see the little uh, Alpha Spiders and the old Porsches or whatever, and you see the bikers out because they really enjoy it. They go to a city, have a coffee, have a, a cake, and they drive back. It's like a joyride kind of thing. Yeah. And, well, yeah, that's where they should go. You're not that far from uh, Faults either, and so that, that's a wine area here, and well, that it, it has a wine area, and definitely I've been to a few wineries that on any given weekend they're hosting some sort of car club. I've seen yeah. you know, Ferrari Club, Porsche Club, uh, and 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 that's nice. It, it's really nice. It's where I take my sports car. I take it on those types of places or to those places. It's uh, it's really not fun. Yeah, it's great on on the autobahn. Yeah, no, it's take it's great to take a car there, go to a vineyard, right? Park the car, have a few glasses, have a dinner, stay there for the night, and then come back. And go to the next one maybe on a Saturday, yeah. stay there for the night, and then come back on a Sunday or whatever the case may be. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Well, so there we are. A little, little bit of a of a car talk, an, a, a detour. Yeah. Yeah, but now uh, we need to get back to um to our last topic. Yes. And so. This is it's official now, right? It's official now, but there is no internet, so I, I, I I'm just using uh, what I have given, and we asked Sonara to send us some screenshots of the article, of the. Um, shall I say it? Sure. Okay. It. Of the new um, Omega. Omega. What was it? Super. Super race. Super racing. Yeah. New Speedmaster. So it was. Was it two, three weeks ago? Omega started to. His people, yeah, with these uh, videos and little pictures of a uh, something that looked like a, a mainspring with like something in the middle, right? Right. People started thinking: Is it electric? Is it spring drive? Is it right? So it's definitely not electric. Yeah, it's not spring drive. 
It's not a mechanical moon swatch. I heard somebody saying it's going to be a mechanical moon swatch. So it's basically the caliber 9920, um, which is in this watch, which is a master chronometer certified self-winding, so automatic movement, Spirate, S-P-I-R-A-T-E. So this must be the name for this fancy mainspring. Exactly. Spirate Spirate system, SI-14, hairspring. Um, It has an accuracy of um, zero to plus seconds per day on an average, which is guaranteed by Omega. It's pretty amazing. It's, it's, yeah, we just talked about the, the Grand Cycle um, uh, uh, spring drive. Uh, and then we also mentioned that the Synchron had uh, almost three-day power. So if, uh, I guess it's the, it's the episode of... Here the movements. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so this, this uh, Omega Speedmaster Super Racing is, um, well, what can we say? It's like a black dial with a honeycomb motor from the dial, yellow hour markers, racing minute track. It's a stainless steel watch. Uh, the diameter is pretty hefty, 44.25. Uh, thickness is 14.9, and the lug to lug is 50, with a lug width of 51. So it's a big chunk of steel. 21 width? 21, yeah. Okay. Sapphire crystal, sapphire case back, um, 50 meters water resistance. Of course, it's a chronograph. And um, what's the damage? What do you think? It's a strength. It's going to be over five figures. How about that? That's my yeah. Guess. But a hair, ten thousand two hundred Swiss francs. Okay. And so it has obviously the five-year warranty, international warranty that Omega offers. Um, time, date, chronograph, and and the tachymeter functions. And uh, I mean, yeah, some pictures here. I, I've already shown you the pictures, but here, here it is again. So it's it, it's got that racing outer track and how would you how would you call that dial texture yeah honeycomb honeycomb yeah honeycomb and date at 10 o'clock what i quite like is the the font of the date at the te- uh, 10 o'clock sorry six o'clock but it's a 10 on the picture so i quite like oh, the, yeah. the font it's kind of this and you know what it reminds me of is the old dynamic remember yep. from like the 90s or the yes. early 2000s not the dynamics from the 70s right but the the, the, the 990 chronograph yeah totally yes so it's the dial is a bit of a. It's like an italicized. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a, a bit of a tinting in there. Obviously, like any Omega Racing dial has. Um, yeah, you can. There's also a close up of the dial. I mean, of the date, so you can see the yeah the, the date window. And then um, the the well, the bracelet I I quite like because it's the um, it also has this vintage style. Um, very yeah. tapered bracelet. It looks a little like the what eleven seventy one bracelet. Oh, yeah, eleven seventy one is the no, three links. It's not like the fourteen something fourteen ninety two. I'm not sure about that uh, from top of my head. But um, yeah, it's it's obviously not a professional, not a hand wound um, model, and it's it's much well not much bigger. It's two point something, almost three millimeters. Uh, what what was I? Forty and forty four. Um, forty-four two, yeah. So two millimeters bigger than two point two than the Speedy. So not that big. Um, but it's a it's a big watch. It's a big watch, yeah. And then it's a thick watch. You know, the, I I have no idea what is the price on the uh, automatic Speedmasters uh, right now. It, it's got to be pushing nine. I think yeah? it's I think it's around here. Yeah, maybe maybe a thousand less. Maybe a thousand less, but it's not like. This feels those are like, six and this is ten, right? Yeah, it's this, a, this feels like a if you if you like that size and you like an automatic Speedmaster, 
this feels like the way to go. And and at least from the pictures, the yellow doesn't seem it's the yellow almost seems like aged loom and yeah, the picture uh you're showing me here. So I think we'll have to see this in person. But yeah. I mean the the close ups definitely more vivid, but it's still not this so creamy. Yeah, right? not this crazy yellow. It's more more this uh I'm trying to think what could be the yellow. Like uh um it's hard to, yeah. but you know what I mean. It's it's not this. Yeah, it's not a vivid in your face with uh, shiny yellow. Um, yeah, be yellow. It's yeah, that way. Absolutely. Not Dutch license plate yellow. No, or British or Poseidon diving. Oh, Poseidon yellow. diving. Like that. No, it's 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 a Dutch license plate yellow that uh, on a car that's been on the sun for the last twenty years. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> a bit, bit of a faded uh, yellow, but but yeah. It's, um, so. Uh, you know, I, 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 just being honest here, you know, an automatic Speedmaster, and we talked about this, is just not, it's not my thing generally. Also, the size is uh, a bit tough for me, but. Says the guy who owns a Ploprof. Yeah. Well, it's more wide than it is. True. That's also fair. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not so small. Watch, is it? Uh, no, I, I, it kind of, you know, I, I think about the 1010, right? And that watch, okay, we don't have to get into the backstory, but. I still remember when that was released and how uh, it it just didn't just didn't do well and the tinted yeah yeah and, and of course you know watches were was that 2013 I mean watches were a uh, kind of a big thing but nothing like they are right now and Speedmasters were not like they were now I I think if you released that watch today it would be fine oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and I think partially we're to blame for that I mean. Could be the, the the popularity, obviously, of the Speedmasters because the Speedy Tuesday One just blew up into everybody's faces, right, when it came out. Yeah, but what do you think? Uh, you know, we, we talked about it in one of our prior episodes. How I mentioned how I'd love to see a white dial Speedmaster Professional, but yeah, you know, what's going on with we we haven't had a racing dial in a long time, and you know, you had the the Tintin, you had the Japan edition, which was what from what oh five? Yeah, something for uh, two thousand six, five six, something like. So that. you know, it feels like time to add maybe a another Speedy Pro to the to the regular lineup. So like a white dial with a racing uh, scale. Yeah, or just a new racing uh, with maybe a, a different color. Speedy Pro, I mean. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about instead of uh, white and black and red, white and black and green? Like an Italian uh, kind of? Well, I didn't even think about it. <laughs> well, no, instead of red, there's no red in it. Ah, okay. So it could be like a white dial black. with like a black and green. Uh, I think it'd be cool. I I really like the racing Speedmasters. I mean, I'd, yeah. I think if I were a gazillionaire, I would hunt down the uh, original. originals. Yeah, yeah. They're just ferociously expensive. And... But I, but I just love the. Do you like your Mark II? Uh, I do. Um, but I have to be honest with you, I don't wear it very often. Because your Mark II made me buy my Mark II. Yeah, I, the racing because I had the normal one, the black one. But let's be honest. Yeah, that's right. You did. I mean, yeah. l- let's be honest. Those were just such a steal for such a long time that it was like, yeah, why not, right? But the funny thing is, those watches never really uh, went up in price. Well, they're they're not. They're not the twelve hundred that they used no, to be, right? I also didn't buy it for twelve hundred. I bought it for around two, I think. But what are they now? Twenty seven to three? Say so, yeah. So not not too much. Yeah, I, I I bought my black one for very cheap price back then. Uh, RJ had one, and I checked it out, and I liked it. 
No, actually, I bought it before I met RJ. But anyways, so we both had the black one. And then I moved the black one on because it looked very much like the, the Speedy, the normal Speedy Pro that I had or have. And then I and then once I, I tried on um, yours, I might even have the picture in my phone that I took that day. <laughs> um, when I Wasn't tried on you. In Karlsruhe? No, no. We were in, in somewhere in Switzerland because it was an Omega event. Ah, okay. And we were staying at this dingy Airbnb, remember? Yeah. Somewhere, I was years. Maybe it was the first PD Tuesday yeah, one of those things, and that made me um, that made me get my Mark II racing. But you know the the thing I don't like about the Mark II, I, I find it a bit chunky. Yeah, of course, it's tall. Of course, it is. But then don't try on the Mark III. Yeah, well, but that's the, a watch I never wear. But what I don't get about it because um, okay, now we're getting into the weeds here, but it doesn't have to be tall because it obviously has a movement that is in the regular Speedy Pro that is not so thick. And you think about what is the um, oh, the watch that I would love to own. The, is it the Flat Jedi? Yes. So that's, I think, the, that's, I think what uh, people call it the Flat Jedi. I think there was only one Jedi, right, that, that Chuck Maddox named the Jedis and people eventually started to call it the Real Jedi and the Flat Jedi and this and that. Uh, silly names. So if we go back to the to nicknames and the or, the origin of a nickname, that it's only one Jedi, which Chuck named the Jedi, and that's the one that you're talking about. Um, and those came out in a couple of dial variations, I think. But I think the most known is the gray one, right? It's yeah. gray with this uh, maybe orange or yellow. It's got like two orange hands. Yeah. One, yeah. But but that one. I don't feel as it, it's got that '70s look, but it doesn't. Um, it's not as thick as the Mark II, is it? No, I don't think so. Yes, yeah. And like to get that the Jedi at the same time he named the the Darth Vader and the Vatican, which were these uh, black and tungsten. Was it tungsten? Tungsten carbide pieces. Yeah, exactly. Which I think. Who is it? Bulova used that, or or uh, Rado. Rado, but some other uh, chronograph maker back in the day. Maybe it wasn't Bulova, but well, anyways, yeah, I know which one you mean. Yes, those are those are thinner, but I guess the the, the Mark II case has a story, right, with the Alaska yeah uh, prototypes and yeah. things like that. That's why it's a flat crystal, why it's the uh, um, sapphire, not acrylic, and so on and so forth. Yeah, which uh, here again, with with kind of a neat story like that, I don't know why they've not taken off a little more. I mean, I, I I still think it's a really nice deal for for people to get into. Well, so. you know, you can you can look for the cheapest Mark II, and I guarantee there's a lot of that's been taken off by certain watch watchmakers where they polish the case. Yeah, so that yeah. you can. Well, mine's been redone as well. I I had it. Uh, had a. I think at one point, and this is something an interesting topic we could talk about this in the next episode. If you care about. Wabi and you know redone cases and and uh, dials that are just uh, you know like like my Zenit for example. Um, what is what can you tolerate and what can't you tolerate when it comes to vintage watches and work done on them? It's kind of uh, so you turned me on to the what is it the wrist watch revival uh, channel on YouTube? Oh yes, I think so. Yeah, and. He he's he loves a beat up dial, yeah. And uh, okay, sometimes there are watches he's working on for a friend or something, and and they want to keep that dial, but uh, 
sometimes I look at him and I'm like, eh, that dial's a little too far gone for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think he, he focuses on on the movement and the restoration. Sure. It's, it's the restoration. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and, it, and I'll put it this way, right? So if I were to, it, the show really makes me want to invest, you know, a couple odd thousand in, in tools and, and start to monkey around with things. Um, by the way, it always stresses me out, like, uh, when he takes screws out and I think, how's he going to know to put that screw back there? But it, clearly when you get used to working on them, it all sort of makes sense. You're building up layer by layer, but... Well, also you can look at the, the footage that you recorded. For sure, for sure. Um, but I, I do think, like, if you get a kind of a junker type watch from eBay mm -hmm. and even if the dial is kind of beat up but not you know terribly damaged but maybe more than we would like if you actually work on it it becomes endearing and you, and you don't want to get rid of it right because you've put your yeah sort of blood sweat and tears into it so it's you know so this is my thing with with the zenith right and i told you when we looked at it that i've seen so many when i did my research for the article i've seen so many oh, the zenith the military, the Air Force. Excelsior Park watch. Yeah, exactly. So most that I have found, it's beautiful, pristine black dial. And I think people obviously go for that because it looks good. But when it comes to military watches, let that be Army, Air Force, Navy, whatever, I don't mind that the dial is messed up because yeah. it's a it's a tool. Yeah. Just like I don't mind a, a scratched bezel on a, on a sub. Well, or a doxa. Or a doxa. Right, or a doxa. I even take a doxa that's got a hand that's been redone because yeah. I feel like they needed that because it was a tool. Exactly. So I, those are the those are the things that I can tolerate. Now, obviously, uh, the 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 usual day just with the with the lugs looking like lollipop toothpicks. Yeah. Uh, that's or toothpicks. Yeah, <laughs> those are those are a no go. But unpolished. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we have since yesterday. It is now. It is unpolishable, <laughs> brother, because <laughs> you removed the. Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. Yeah, I. So speaking of that, I have um, a couple buddies, my my Detroit buddies. So uh, one of them is slowly edging towards his first uh, Rolex, and I think it's going to be either a day date or a bluesy. And mm. just knowing him, I I personally think a bluesy would be the way to go. But you know, we play a game where. He either sends me a watch or I send them a watch and I'm like, all right, guys, what's wrong with it? You know, or what, okay. what, what's, you know, I send him a Chrono 24 ad and I'm like, you know, of course everything, not everything, but everybody listed as barely used and unpolished da, 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 to like, tell me what's wrong. And uh, we play that fun game and, and I've taught them, you know, the biggest thing to look at are the, are the lug holes, right? You know, you can tell right away if those suckers are rounded. Um, it's just amazing how many watches people are like unpolished and you look at those, those, uh, lug holes and it's like, it looks like a crater, you know, or, oh yeah, that thing that in Star Wars, uh, outside of Jabba the Hutt's place, you know, that it's like down in a sand hole kind of <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did the same thing with a friend that uh, he wanted a 2505 reference Omega, the the big one that I have, the jumbo with a 25X movement, 255, 256. And uh, and we we managed to to find one for him from South America, and actually Wayne helped us. And uh, shout out to Wayne. And um, it was the same thing. I was sending him dials, and I was sending him listings from eBay, and and that's a redial. And then he would send me a list. Ah, this is awesome redial. I look, I found this on redial. 
Yeah. But how do you know it's a redial? I don't think it's a redial. At night it's a redial because of such and such. And um, it was, it was, it's a fun thing to, to do. But yeah, uh, I have some sometimes colleagues and they always send me, they always find the cheapest one. It's, it's not too expensive yet because it's a redial. Yeah. There's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mike, we are at 60 minutes now um, or so. And what are we? 20, 30 minutes away from the location. We are, we are 44 clicks exactly. And we are, wow, I'm seeing some. We're deep in the belly of the Netherlands. Yeah, like look at some of the names that are coming. There's a lot of double A's. There's Harlem. Harlem, man. It's not where the Globetrotters are from, by the way. But that's the Harlem, Harlem, no? Yeah, because it's Amsterdam and Harlem. Yes, but it's not where the Globetrotters are from. No, no. Oh. They, they Well, they came from here, but then they left out of the A's here, apparently. And yeah, apparently. Landed with one <laughs> A back uh, up in uh, up in uh, New York. Krimpen, Krimpener Vard? Gouda, where the cheese is from? Oh, yeah, the cheese. Gouda, they say Gouda. Yeah, they don't say Van Gogh, they say Van Gogh. Yeah, it's a tough one, right? So we are outside of Amsterdam. Ah, here's Uder Amsterdam. So that or Amstel. That's that's got to be the beer. Amstel beer. And yes. All right. Tilburg, big. Uh, this university city, I think. Tilburg. Tilburg. Yes, that's Oosterhout. Isn't that the name of our uh, our contact at Seiko in the Netherlands? Oh, I don't know. Last, but Breda is a big city. Too. Breda. Well, it's funny because every big city is visible on a on a six inch screen. Yeah, I know. It's not <laughs> a big country, is it? So close to each other. Well. um... Let us enjoy the rest of the evening, the Netherlands, and tomorrow with the guys. And, um, yeah, any parting words? Not really. Uh, obviously, we're not even one month done, and now the releases are starting to come. So it was fun to talk about a few. And Totally. Again, uh, apologies for the echo here in the car, but hopefully it wasn't too bad. Actually, we, we did some, some testing before, and these wireless mics we're using are pretty good. So... And I mean, how many times are you going to listen to a podcast that was recorded in the car while driving? Yeah. Well, I, I should say, I, I do remember our buddies from Whiskey and Watches. Um, one of them was in the car doing it on the way to Chicago to the windup. And, but I think maybe we're the only ones who've done it in Europe. How about that? And the two of us in the car at the same time. That's true, too. There you go. Boom. So, as you say with that, Mike is out. Balaj is out. Thank mm-hmm. you.